and welcome back to Life MMA and the NBA. Hashtag life, hashtag paranormal. I am super excited tonight to do our first episode of Paranormal. We've done a lot of UFO stuff. That's why my co-host is here. We're going to get to him in a minute. Don't you worry. <laughs> but first, we're going to talk about the star of the evening, a paranormal investigator, Natasha Dominguez. Natasha, what's up, girl? Hi. Thank you so much. <laughs> we, we, had to, we had to get you some applause. We can't let you go out like that. When you come out on stage, people got to recognize it's going to be like when Pat Benatar came out in the 80s. You know what I mean? So... Uh, <laughs> And with me uh, co-hosting tonight is my man Nathan. He is at a waif soul on UFO Twitter uh, on Twitter, but you can find him a lot on hashtag UFO Twitter. And uh, he's one of the smartest people I've met in some time. He and Andy are just like leading the charts uh, over on UFO Twitter. Have you been to UFO Twitter, Natasha? I've dabbled. I've definitely <laughs> dabbled for sure. <laughs> Sounds safe. That's ominous. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, I got to get out of here and go back to the para hashtag paranormal because these people are kind of nuts over here and they're arguing a lot. So, yes. It's true. We do love a good argument. Yes. Uh, only Alex Dietrich has bought some modicum of femininity and, and sensibility to UFO Twitter. Thank God for uh, Alex Dietrich. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, we'll get to UFOs later. We're here to talk about paranormal. I'm going to start off with the first one. Uh, Natasha. Well, first of all, I think even before I ask you a question, can you just tell a little bit about yourself, what you'd like to share uh, with the audience, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess to give you an overview, I've been I've always been interested in the paranormal, you know, uh, since I was a kid, whether it be ghosts or UFOs, you know, anything otherworldly. Uh, yes, so yes. I do know a little bit about the UFO scene. Um but yeah, so I think it was back in 2014, I went on a trip to Savannah, Georgia, hmm. and they do say that that is one of the most haunted places, just due to the history of it and, um, you know, everything downtown. So uh, during that time, I did uh, just everything paranormal that I, I could, like I signed up for, like a just like a walk, um, it's like a booze and brews. You'd stop and get beer along the way, which was entertaining. Um, but then I also went and checked out the Sorel Weed House, um, which is like a historical home. Uh, that was cool because I just had an iPhone back then, like an iPhone 4 or something. Um, I didn't have any uh, equipment or anything. I was just doing this for fun. And uh, we walked into one room uh, that was an old uh, Civil War, like, uh, hospital makeshift room. So people died in there and whatnot. They tell you all about it. Walked in, I just said uh, out loud, recording on the, uh, like, the note voice notes app. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, uh, I just said, did you die in here? And then when I reviewed it later, it said, no. Are you and kidding like, me? That was, I was not expecting to hear anything. Um, Nathan, I'm know, already scared. Can you hold me? I will. Uh -huh. Thank you. you. Can count on me. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Go ahead, please. But ever since that moment, I was like, you know what? Like, I, I, I want to know more. I got to do this again. I got to do this for real. And uh, slowly but surely, just kind of started doing it on the side. Collected my own equipment and started doing my own stuff. And 
still something I do, you know, mainly for fun, but uh, been very, very interested about it since. What is it that, that, um, that you don't fear? Like you've seen, I saw on your webpage, Ed and Lorraine Warren, they kind of became heroes of mine when I saw a documentary of them because of their fearlessness. I mean, there are no kidding like demons that are in a space and Irene Warren's like, or excuse me, Lorraine Warren's like, I'm good. Yeah, we can go in there. I mean, with the right, you know, we bring in a priest. We're going to be good. We'll take this out. <laughs> I mean, so how did you figure out that you're that type? How, how are you not scared? I mean, that's a very, those are very special paranormal investigators. And they just made such a great team, you know, with Lorraine being sensitive, like psychically and getting the impressions. And they just were uh, amazing at what they did. Um, for me, I mean, uh, I guess I've just, am not scared because, uh, it's just hard to explain. Like I, I would be more afraid of real people in the dark than something paranormal, like demons are few and far between. Sure. I'm, I'm sure those cases exist, but most of the time it's something that's being seen as a demon might not actually be one. So in my experience, like when I start communicating with them too, it just takes away any sort of fear that I might've had. Um, so, so you have that Amy Allen ability, like, like she has similar like that. No, I no. wish, I wish I did. Um, uh-huh. but mine is all through just doing like historical research first and foremost, and then bringing in ITC equipment, um, which is the, instrumental transcommunication devices that paranormal investigators use on like all those TV shows that mm-hmm. you see, like ghost adventures and ghost hunters, um, you know, scientific experimental devices uh, to measure different things in the atmosphere and um, electromagnetic fields, uh, things like that. So that's kind of my specialty is kind of collecting the equipment and um, just bringing it all and seeing what we can get with everything. So um, I certainly do have friends and some people I do investigate with who are like more on that sensitive side. But for me, it's just like when I'm using the equipment and I'm documenting it, it's it's not scary to me unless unless there's a reason to be scared. Like if I have one, then that's a different story. But yeah. Go for it, my brother. Tasha, hey, great talking with you. Um, so, you know, when you get started out in this, I mean, it had to be like a learning curve, I bet. So you started out with that one experience and uh, it sounds like you had a really kind of powerful moment just from listening to that recording that lit this fire, you know, just on, on the path that you're on now. I mean, what was it like kind of, you know, starting out with that, to, leading up to where you are now? What kind of things did you run into that were in a sort of uh, crises of conscious where like, you know, should I really be doing this or should I continue chasing this? Was this all just like, you know, what was that crazy to pursue this? Like what kind of kept you going? What kind of lessons have you learned since then? Wow. Amazing questions. Um, <laughs> That's so... Nathan. Amazing. Qu- You're going to say that over. And it's a common refrain when he asks a question. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, wow. Let me think about this. Um, so, I mean, like you said, it was a slow process slowly, but surely, you know, starting off with just catching one recording on vacation. And then what do I do from there? You know, I did just, continue to use the iPhone and continue to get stuff. But um, when I decided to take it on more seriously, I think it was, um, I signed up to 
do a like paid investigation with like an event company, um, Ghost Hunts USA. I do recommend them if you are looking for an authentic uh, experience that you just pay to go and they walk you through it with their equipment and stuff like that. Um, I did I'll put it at them the, in the place... show notes, by the way. So remind me and we'll, we'll add them in. Yeah, they got places all over the U.S. Um, pretty affordable, you know, when you look at what you're getting for such an experience. So I, I went to a place called the Houghton Mansion in North Adams, Massachusetts. Um, and this place is unique because it was a mansion in the area, you know, for the it was one of the founders of the town. Uh, he had a mill and all this uh, and very New England. And there was a point in history where uh, the Freemasons bought it out and utilized that as their space, but they built an entire Freemason building out of stone, like directly attached to the mansion, the original mansion. So that place had a lot of different things going on for sure. Um, so it was really easy for us to like experience things um, and, you know, catch clips and things like that. So we came like a little bit better prepared. Like I had bought in like a, a spirit box or something and I was so excited to use it. Um, and just like the phones and, you know, it was like, you stay up all night. It was wow. like 8 PM to 6 AM. Wow. Yeah. So after that, I was like on fire. Like I was just obsessed. It was so fun. Like I wanted to go to all the places I could, you know, um, so then I, you know, between that, it that was 2017, I went and did the Houghton Mansion for the first time. The next year, I was like, for my birthday, I want to do another one. And mm -hmm. we went to <laughs> Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. Um, so that one was very different, too, with it being, you know, a penitentiary. Um, <laughs> Potential for some bad people there. I'm not sure, but it's possible. Right. Yeah. Right. So maybe some more unsavory characters, for sure. <laughs> Um, we, that was a, it was like until three or 4am. So not as long, but, uh, we got to go and do like the three hour self-guided tour during the day, learn all about the history, which is another part that I love. Um, and then spending a good chunk of time at night, uh, investigating with them, but also they always give you free time at the end. So if you do bring your equipment like me, bags and bags of it, usually you've got like four hours at least to just go wherever you want do whatever you want um investigation wise so that's the part i really enjoy and uh, what got you well going back to houghton or did i say i said Houghton? yeah you said houghton i said houghton it sounds like we're doing some potato potato business how <laughs> was there anything there that struck you what did you have results from that that intrigued you or the owner of the property or anything like that yeah, there were so many things I'm trying to recall. Um, there, we've gotten like physical sensations in the Freemason temple in the very beginning. Like uh, they had a bunch of us sit in the actual chairs that the Freemasons used on mm -hmm. either side of the hall. Um, so of course I volunteered, but uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> My, my poor wife, she's the one who I got to do uh, mm -hmm. this with me. And she the one thing she said was, never leave me alone mm -hmm. and I'll never do a jail. But <laughs> anyway, anywho, <laughs> she, I, of course, I volunteered right away. Um, but then that was more of like a, 
physical sensation like from my feet all the way up and it was just weird and i was like holding like an emf detector that was mm-hmm. going off detecting the change in the electromagnetic field so that was just the beginning mm-hmm. um during that time also we were uh, exploring alone we got um knock responses to yes or no questions in that mm-hmm. same hall wow. um there was orbs there was uh, upon review of footage later um like there's live photo like for iphone and stuff like you can take a photo and it'll if you hold it down it'll show like a little 10 second five second clip of mm-hmm. what was happening when you took that photo so that's my favorite thing to do if you've got an iphone too turn mm-hmm. on the flash and take a bunch of live photos three in a row and then i've definitely caught like a, a apparition of like a body um upon review so that was a really good find and then we were having direct communication through the old school sb7 spirit box in the attic for like three hours straight and we we determined it was a man named bill he used to work with the horses on the original mansion um and it was just insane i was like bill okay <laughs> hung out with bill for a while and uh, then so, did he so you heard him on the on, through the device you were able to play back and hear that he was bill so then you yep. start to address him as bill Yep. And then if you, you can tell if you're getting like intelligent responses, if they're actually answering your question or if it's just nonsense, just a, um, okay. you know, then the SB7 is just generates white noise um, by switching through radio frequencies very, very fast forward and backward. So the idea is it creates this white space for um, spirits to use their electromagnetic energy to manipulate and can easily come through so sometimes using that type of device you can hear like a little bit of radio but it is going by so fast it's never a whole sentence so when a whole sentence comes through um that's when you can continue asking questions and see if it's intelligent and usually is so you're that girl like if when irene uh lorraine warren's like um here, uh, hold this, to hold Annabelle. I gotta go do something. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll hold her. That's you. <laughs> yeah, oh probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about gonna, Annabelle, though. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna go into the Conjuring house, but that that, that comes later. That's that's uh, the crescendo right there. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, uh, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had no idea that uh, there was so much technology involved in this now. Um, Same here. So, you know, can, can you give someone who's not familiar with this area of research, a little overview on uh, kind of the general sort of technological components of, of field research. Sure, absolutely. So um, I think that when you are looking to capture evidence that you can usually catch it audio, FBO audio clips um, visually, you know, as well with video. And then there are some other tools that you can use to assist in those acts. So there's always the classic, you know, uh, just recorder, uh, digital recorder. Um, back in the day, they'd use tapes, you know, and then just ask the question, give it some dead air, and then listen back and you'll capture electronic voice phenomena. So that's pretty classic. That's the same thing as using your iPhone these days. And it, you know, it still captures what you can't hear with your own ears. Um, but then the, there's the like the SB7 I just explained, it's a different way to capture audio. That's not recording it yourself. You have to be recording it if, while it's happening, but that's just a device to assist in that communication. To make the noise, the different frequencies, and then create white space where it can communicate with you. Yep, And then exactly. you record it with a secondary device. Yep. And then 
I mean, beyond that, there is uh, even newer technology. There is a software that I use called the Phasma Box, and it's by a company <laughs> called Extreme Senses. Um, but it is super cool. Uh, it is essentially the same idea as the SB7 Spirit Box that creates the frequencies, but it does remove all of the white noise aspect, so you don't, you're not just dealing with that annoying sound of it switching so fast um and it does add like reverb and stuff but it basically it pulls from a, a bank of clips from internet radio so inside the software it's flipping through internet radio but you're not getting the background noise it's not connected to the internet at all the the, the tablet and i only have it one data, dedicated tablet to mm -hmm. that software um and that one is very compelling you can hear different voices come through and you can hear their tone you can tell if it's like a male or female or old or a child if they have an accent for different languages come through wow. um and the best part is when you are utilizing that you're getting direct communication intelligent responses and perhaps you're using another device at the same time so you're communicating audioly you know, audio by audio and verbally um but then you can add in different other things like video and um, even just recording on your phone with always turn on the flash if it's dark because that will actually shine light and you can see differences. Of course, there's dust and stuff like that, um, which is the age old debate, you know, dust or orbs, whatever. So stuff like that. Um, I at some point I did get a bunch of uh, disposable cameras and would bring those on investigations and then hmm. just randomly do three shots in a row, get them developed. Um, but asked for the negatives back <laughs> in case I caught something, mm -hmm. um, I'd have it on negative. So that's just another way, um, another way to see them and kind of prove it in another form of technology, um, rather than it being like, oh, it's matrixing and the pixels or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that is new and upcoming that I've recently splurged on, uh, <laughs> the deep, called the, uh, the money, I know it's. I hear you. I hear it's, you. It's not. It's not a cheap hobby. So right. it's been years <laughs> that this collection has been growing. But um, the best part is, is you know, every time somebody hires me to do an investigation, everything I make from it goes back into continuing this side project uh, further. So buying new equipment or, you know, making videos of the the evidence and things like that. Um, but it's an the device I was going to talk about was called the SLS camera. So I believe it's a structured light sensor. And it's so funny because it is simply an Xbox 360 Connect hmm. that is attached to a tablet. There you're running the Connect software. And the idea behind the Connect, if uh, you know about the Xbox Connect at all, is that it was the attachment that would shoot out infrared light and you could like simply wave your arms or whatever to like change the screen or you could play like the dance games mm -hmm. on Xbox or something like that. So right. um, somebody took that device and created the software and kind of hooked it all up and hooked it up on like this rig handheld rig um, with like a battery pack and everything. Uh, and the idea behind that is that it does detect uh, humanoid figures. So only if it has like arms and the legs and legs, not like if it's like a blurb, will it pick up and it will just map it in like a little stick figure. Um, and it's just really compelling when 
you are using that, you know, and you're looking at it like normal and you have it, the device and there's, you know, a little figure that pops up and um, we've caught a lot of clips of um, the figures like interacting with another actual person that's there, um, which is really cool, especially if the person is feeling like that temperature change or something have devices that record that. So it's just a combination of everything to, I guess, try to communicate in as many ways as possible. And the intelligent voice you're hearing right there is my homegirl from Southern New Hampshire University, Natasha Dominguez, paranormal investigator. Her website is spectralvisionsparanormal.com and at spectralvisionsparanormal on Twitter. And my co-host uh, with me is at Soul on UFO Twitter. He is Nathan. And um, Natasha, I was going to ask you, essentially, like, when you're dealing with these people, what situation are they in, in your estimation, um, in time, space, in their lifespan, uh, or I should say lifespan, their, their, their spirit life if you will what situation are they in that they're there to communicate with you what's happened to them i think that can vary for sure Mm -hmm. um you know i think that classic assumption is that they're there because they have some sort of regret or unfinished business um you know i have had voices come through and tell me what you know answer the question what's keeping you here Mm -hmm. regret you know, and it's, it's sad. So that could certainly be it. Um, you know, or it could be a a tragic death. Um, you know, it's a car accident or a kid dies or, you know, something happens where it was sudden. Um, sometimes I feel like those souls can just kind of stay behind. They just don't really realize what happened and don't know to take the next step to like leave this realm. Um, Mm -hmm. is another thing I, I they don't know how, Right. Yeah. Until where they don't even realize they're, you know, stuck in this other dimension of just being here still without a body. So. Oh, so they don't understand their their place in time right now. Yeah. They just think that um, do they know they're dead physically? I feel like some do. Okay. Um, some don't. So it can vary case to case. And then sometimes I feel like it's just like an energy. Um, there's there is a, what they call the term uh residual energy so that is like you know if some guy pushed this cart down this hallway in this mill building where he worked for 50 years every day and you know that was his job back and forth like somebody might in the future catch a glimpse or an apparition of a guy pushing a cart down the hall and they turn around and it's gone but that doesn't mean that that guy's there it means that his energy was so consistent in that building at one time that there is lingering energy um, that's just kind of like replaying on loop. So Wow, that's an interesting thought. So oh. that's why when you hear stuff and it doesn't answer intelligently, mm-hmm. you know, that could be a sign that it's a more of a residual energy. Wow. Um, like if you go and investigate a concert hall and you hear a guitar you know, in the, in the distance, like a faint guitar, that could be residual energy. It doesn't mean that there's an actual ghost trying to play guitar. You know, it's just as it's, there's so many different reasons and there's no right or wrong. Um, you know, I just, I, I think about this stuff a lot. So those right. are some of the top ones 
that I I think are true based off of the spirits that I've communicated with. Wow. And, and what uh, do you have like a leading hypothesis on sort of you know how this works? I mean, is it uh, you know we are we in some sort of um, you know, kind of informational matrix where like information is kind of retained regardless of uh, the state of matter that it ha that we happen to be in. Uh, you mentioned like electromagnetic influence on the, the technology. Uh, so, you know, is there some sort of um, greater base state of reality maybe that exists that, that where things are more real in that space than they are in, in what you and I consider to be normal? Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, this is definitely one of those more out there things that I find myself, you know, rabbit hole, going down the rabbit hole um, and often um, something that has really gotten me thinking more on this term. Uh, these levels are um, the author and hypnotist Dolores Cannon. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yes. So yeah, I Yep. So I've definitely fallen down that rabbit hole um, and with the souls in different dimensions and, and different, um, you know, a even aliens come into play and it's just mm -hmm. all energy. So there, I, there's definitely more to this world than anything that we're seeing. I feel like this is all just kind of an illusion. It's just energy. It's not actually there. We're just here on this dimension right now mm -hmm. um, as kind of like a level. And I feel like some of those spirits just get stuck on this level and they're supposed to go to a different level. <laughs> mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. How has it informed your view of, uh, of the living? Uh, the living are, like I said earlier, this much scarier to me than anything <laughs> in another dimension. <laughs> except for <Fair>. Annabelle. <laughs> except for Annabelle. Yes, true. <laughs> but, uh, you no, know, but, I... Yeah. I feel like, you know, personally, I think it, it I feel more expansive. I, I think that it's been super helpful for me personally, just finding out more information and, um, you know, just even coming up with my own reasons for, for different things. Those life's big questions, you know, it's, it's certainly an exploration and we'll never have the answers, but I love going on the journey and I love learning as much as I can about this stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember the the question but does it uh so about sort of living yeah yeah and but and does it reframe one of the interesting things to me about and you know as dj mentioned i'm kind of more on the ufo side of things but but we could take these fringe topics you know insert fringe topic and i think what's interesting to me about people who pursue these ideas is that once you kind of set the table uh for them it really opens up your way of thinking, not just for yourself, but if you're having conversation with, with another person, you're actually giving them an invitation to open up their perspective as well. I think in our day to day, we're, we're pretty good at kind of keeping our, our guard up with each other. And we're, we're, there's sort of things that fall within the realm of normal. And if you start talking about something outside that people can be, get, get uncomfortable, but there's a, another side to that where when you bring a topic uh, like this out, you know, in the open with real information, that's really interesting. It's, it's like you flip a switch with, with people who might be guarded normally. And then like, well, actually I am really interested in this. And I, I feel like I've never been able to talk about that before. And, and sort of you being able to go there helps me go there too. To, to make an example, I don't know that. I know he's asking this question to you, but 
Uh, and the UF from a UFO perspective, I don't know that Lou Elizondo might have considered all these different things. But then he meets a guy like Sean Cahill, who does very much believe in this type of phenomenon. And then all of a sudden, Lou's entertaining these ideas about uh, about another dimension, and that we have beings that are appearing and disappearing that are, you know, multi-dimensional. Is it, it, would you could you see that as being an example? Uh, and I'm turning it into a discussion for just a second here, Natasha. But can you see that as being an example, or am I off the mark? Uh, no, I, I think so. And I mean, it's interesting how ideas ideas themselves are sort of vi like viruses, you know. So you you when when you understand a concept, it's now a part of your mind. Like you cannot take it out anymore. And so you know, really the uh, the efforts to um, I think normalize or or bring others to the table whether it be you know with paranormal research or, or ufos or whatever it's an exercise in kind of passing along the the idea virus to someone else and what i want to get to i really curious get your thoughts on this um i was gonna i was trying to look it up while we were chatting but i think it's something called the philip experiment or if i, if I may be wrong about that but i can google it yeah, take a look real sure. quick. But it's essentially the gist of it is, and this sort of gets into kind of medium uh, uh, studies or whatnot, but there was a, a group of folks who basically decided to get together and sit with each other in a seance type environment uh, where they were going to uh, create a fictional character with, with, with each other. So they, all, they, they created this character named Philip and they gave him a backstory and all this kind of stuff. And it didn't exist. They just they came up with this person, mm -hmm. and they sat and tried to like communicate with this, with this fictional person, and for a long time. And eventually, like they started getting responses from this character, and so it sort of raises the question. Uh, it raises a lot of questions, but you know, is there really uh, sort of persistent life, uh, you know, sort of after death, where we're really getting communication from the beyond, or are the living somehow able to? Uh, generate through, you know, powers that we're not aware of, uh, you know, kind of the, 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 this phenomena. So as, as human beings gather together, we can somehow uh, manifest, uh, you know, sort of entities or experiences or objects or whatnot, just through, you know, some sort of ability that, that we have that we're not aware of. And so, so you see, Natasha, every time I think I ask a good question, then I hear Nathan. I'm like, nah, my question wasn't very good. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, no, that's very, very interesting. And I have heard of the, the Philip experiment before. And um, I do believe that that can happen. You know, if you have so many people in one room intending on one thing or creating a fictional, fictional character, I do believe that, that as humans, we can produce that energy and have it form. Um, to to be what it is that we're you know wanting or in some cases completely unaware of um, there's a term called uh, an egregore and this is an occult concept mm -hmm. representing you know non-physical entities uh, basically a collective group of people creating this um, non-physical entity out of their pure energy mm. uh, so this is something that has been you know it's all out there too and it's always something in the back of my mind as well. 
um, it's hard when you go into a historical place too. If somebody you know does ghost tours there every day and talks about you know John the ghost, if you go in there and try to contact John, you might get him. You know, but mm-hmm. like, is that really him or is or John was a real guy? You know, but did he actually stick around or did is this a created version of that? So that can definitely happen. I feel like, and it, you know, a lot of people say too that the more sensitive you are um, in, in the psychic sense that the easier uh, that you could manifest these sort of things without realizing, especially if you don't realize that you Mm. have the, those abilities. Um, So that is a common occurrence too. Um, If you have somebody in a setting who's experiencing a haunting and they don't realize they're psychic as well. So it's a whole mess of things that it could be. (laughs) Right. And and then we're going to get to that because I'm going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask, Natasha, if she thinks of death differently after becoming a paranormal investigator and actually communicating with spirits. But uh, for now, uh, Nathan, I, and Natasha are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Life MMA in the NBA. Welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA. I'm your host, DJ San Marco. Honored to be joined by one of my homies from Southern New Hampshire University, SNHU. Go get your education, people. Get smart so you can be like Natasha, Nathan, and, and you know, hopefully a little bit less like me. But, you know, that's besides the point. So, uh, welcome back. It's Natasha Dominguez, paranormal investigator from Spectral Visions, uh, Spectral Visions Paranormal. And of course, my brother from UFO Twitter, one of the, you know, one of my very recent friends and one of the smartest guys I know, Nathan. What's up, brother? What's up, DJ? He's back. We're back, and we're, we're gonna. Back. Ask, we're back, yo. Uh, I don't even want to get into any Lakers talk right now. We'll save that for later. Uh, but um, Natasha, um, so we when we left, we were talking um, uh, about. Uh, this topic here where I, I wanted to ask you if uh, about death and if you look at death dif- differently. But before I get into that, do you feel that any of the entities that you've spoken with, and I hope I'm referring to them using the correct adjective and saying they're entities because I'm not too sure exactly from where they emanate, but um, do, do you feel like some of them have tried to fool you, that they've been honest with you, and and I, I make it. I try to make it a rule never to ask double questions, but it really is in the same line. Is if you ever thought you could counsel any of them in terms of making them feel better. But let's start off with if you think anyone of them have tried to fool you. Yeah, great questions. Um, I don't. Think Nathan, that I, I did it. I did it. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, I'm sorry. Go Nailed ahead. it. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. No worries. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever tried to trick me as like far as like pretending to be somebody they're not or something like that. And I mean, most of the people that or spirits, entities, whatever have come through. It's just I don't think there is a reason to pretend to be something other than they're than they are. Uh, I've done like a lot of like uh, investigating in my apartments. Mm-hmm. 
Um, don't usually recommend that. Investigator. <laughs> you can't just leave that one, Natasha. Yeah, you can't leave that. So I might not have been tricked by one, but the, once you start investigating in a place that you live and they realize that you know that you know that mm-hmm. they know that they're there, mm-hmm. um, they can, in my experience, especially in one apartment I lived in, it kind of ramps up the energy a little bit. Like if I haven't turned on the equipment in two months, like somebody turned the light on in the living room in the middle of the night or um, – you know, there's stuff being flicked around and moved in different places. Um, that one apartment had so much activity. It had turned on my wife's car with the automatic runner uh, starter. Oh, my God. You to, like, push two of the buttons and hold it for, like, five seconds to oh. start the car with the remote or whatever. And uh, it's just hanging up on the on the keychain, like, the key rack. The buttons are faced outwards. Like, they're not knocked at, against anything happened twice in one day and then i Hmm. brought out the equipment and i was like do not mess with the car um that is not okay like not safe don't touch the keys and they never touched them again was it a fluke with the car who knows so just like well how about the light switch when you were sleeping i don't know (laughs) right because i I physically remembered shutting it off like i'm gonna shut off the light now in the living room it's just like one of those lamps where you just like have to turn the thing twice the first one was just nothing happened you had to turn it twice to turn it on a floor lamp and like waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and the lights on in the living room and i'm like huh i swear i shut this off and your wife's in bed and she didn't get up okay nope so just little stuff like that is just like that's why i say if you want to investigate you know do it somewhere else if you're new to it it's really tempting to do it in your own house i mean i still do it like but i don't do it all the time i know how to set boundaries Mm -hmm. (laughs) different things you know it can become a little bit of a nuisance if you live in a particularly haunted house i suppose but this one here is not as haunted as that uh, previous one for sure and so then before we get into the counseling, before we've opened that door, I typed something to Nathan on private and it's just like, I've been sort of warned or I, I don't know if it's I've been warned or I've heard warnings about when, and, and you've alluded to it in this, this uh, narrative, this anecdote you just told us. If you open that door, um, you go to a house, you start doing investigations you've opened a door that now that door is not not going to be closed again or or can you close that door so you know i'm not somebody who can claims to can come in there and make them move on or whatever Mm -hmm. you know that's not something that i have the ability to do and i don't pretend to um i always i do have the disclaimer that you know, doing an investigation, if somebody's interested in, in hiring me to do one, does not mean that we're there to stop the activity from happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's nothing I can do about that. Sometimes it's really um, great to find out what's going on there or learning more about the history and figuring out, yes, this is has to do with this part of the history or something, you know, some sort of answer or even just, you know, putting a name to it if you can. Um, can just take some anxiety out of the situation. I feel like a lot of people are afraid of the unknown uh, more so than if they if there is some context behind it. So that's my goal is to come in there and, and provide those 
at least some answers uh, to their questions in an ethical manner uh, per, with historical research and, th and things like that. Okay, so the third part of the question was, um, and it kind of gets us into another area, but I asked you if you ever felt like you could counsel one, uh, one of these, these spirits that you've spoken with. But to do that, you would have to sense that there is emotion there that you could feel. And you would have to feel that before you could think that, you know what, I might be able to talk to this person into moving on and to not uh, having the weight of regret hold them in this place. Right. I wish I wish that I could do that. It's not really something that I've ever attempted to do. I, I do have, you know, boundaries myself at how much energy I'm putting in to the communication because um, doing that kind of stuff can be draining as well, you know, and I'm definitely not a, a licensed counselor by any means. So it's good to to kind of talk with them. And sometimes, you know, who knows if that was some sort of relief by admitting that there was regret, you know, by just voicing that in a new way. Um, I don't know. But uh, so I guess my answer is no, I don't I don't think that I would be able to counsel them. And I don't think that I would choose to either. Because you'd but be I'm opening yourself into... up. To... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I'm there to I'm there to communicate. I'm there to provide the living with answers and to help them understand a little bit more about, you know, the unknown and anything that they might be dealing with. And um, if I had a psychic on my team or, you know, something like that, that might be a different story, but um, helping them move on or counseling them is just not something that I would be comfortable with. Um, but talking with them, you know, I, I guess I've never come across such a tragic soul too, that's begging for help. That would probably be a different story. You know, I might try it then, but in my experience, it's all pretty, pretty mundane. Um, you know, in I guess it's not mundane to those who don't do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if I saw, heard them talking, the hair on my be standing up and the whole nine, man. Right. So. so it's like we've definitely come across some grumpy energies, some some spooky energies for sure. You know, they're definitely out there. I'm not, you know, think, crying at night thinking it's a demon, though. I think that that would be biblical to say the least <laughs> <laughs> all right well nathan's gonna get the last in-depth question and then we've got 10 minutes so we're gonna we'll do like a rapid fire round where we hit up uh a couple of paranormal things and maybe even just douse you with a little bit of ufo water okay <laughs> so. a little sprinkling yeah so uh the, the relationship between uh, w w with death you know our our modern relationship with death and, and dying it strikes me is, is is pretty different than what our ancestors' relationship with death and dying was, and I, I kind of wonder, uh, did did we have a healthier relationship in the past uh, with with that understanding, and did that perhaps give the living uh, a pathway or solace in in that transitional time that we uh, really have lost, you know, in, in our modern time. And uh, in a way, like the fact that we've kind of fallen on materialism so heavily, uh, it, it's almost like made death, you know, an even bigger specter than, than it, than it sh should be. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and particularly, I'm curious, too, about your thoughts on, you know, kind of the past and, and how humans in the past may have um, 
you know, understood this topic. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very you know broad range because it's not only could they have thought about it so much differently historically, but it's always a different uh, view, culture to culture as well. Um, there's so many different cultures who have a different belief of the afterlife and what happens to your spirit or soul at at that point. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say one way or the other is healthier or not. I think that it's all kind of relative to to who you are and and what makes you comfortable um, as well. You know, I don't ever try to change anybody else's beliefs. Um, You know, it's, this has nothing to do with like religion either. It's just, um, it's for me personally, it's just uh, a way to, I'm not like, it doesn't have to, it doesn't uh, affect me with thinking like, oh, am I going to be a ghost after death? Like, or am I going to move on to this plane? Like, it doesn't create that anxiety. I could see that how that could be a concern to somebody who's newer in the field. But um, for me, it's just more answers. Like, I'm not afraid of dying and I'm not afraid of becoming a ghost simply because I will be ready for the next step. I already mentally am. Like, I'm all super interested in, in all of this. Like, I, if I were to die today, like, I don't fear that I would be somebody who would stick behind, you know, afraid to leave my body. I feel like I've done that in the, in past lives. Um, past lives is a whole nother topic that I could go on about, but, um, yeah, I think that it's, it's not healthier one way or the other. It's just a matter of, you know, doing your own research too, reading your own history and, and kind of coming up with what you, what suits you best. And that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. We're we're already gonna go over five or ten minutes just because I have a redirect with Nathan here. Something he's used to do from uh, from his career in law investigation stuff uh, or law research. Um, Nathan, do do you mean that that today, like your assertion, do you have like a a theory uh, or a opinion that perhaps? we're holding too dearly to life that we're not celebrating the end. We're trying to hook ourselves up to every sort of a machine and, you know, perhaps inject ourselves with something that'll prolong it for, uh, you know, a period of time longer. Do you feel like we're holding, we're, we're trying to hold on to it too much rather than giving into what the natural course is to an extent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly wonder if if a lot of this phenomena is is uh, psychic, psychological. If 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 the mind is the source of reality itself, rather than matter, you know, if it's if it's mind then matter, not matter than mind, then is our is the path that we're on right now that is so matter focused. You know, so so technology centric is that a path that you know kind of keeps us um, weighed down in the realm of matter uh, as opposed to the realm of spirit and uh, and maybe there are uh, sort of nefarious reasons why that might be right so that there and I'll take I'll take it to the UFO stuff now okay um, so you know maybe. Uh, the, uh, the, the UFO influence on humanity 
is is nefarious in the sense that it is a technological influence it's a technological voice in in our ear that it's it's intent is to weigh us down in the realm of matter and, and technology as opposed to uh, uh let, letting us kind of let it go and and move on to the realm of spirit where we might be freer more powerful more more curious you know more enabled to fulfill our our de destiny if you will um so anyway. how so how do you feel that the ufos do you, when you say intent so how do you feel like they that what what have their action what action have they taken that leads you to an intent mm -hmm. well the the if you look back through history at, at you know purported ufo sightings you know there's this element of um of possibility what is possible that is outside the realm of what is normal at the time. And so it, it's sort of giving, it's planting, coming back to this idea of the mind virus, it's planting this idea in the mind of the observer, the experiencer, that there is, that, that what they thought was not, cap was not possible is possible. And the, the inception of that idea really Drive leads to technology. its creation. Exactly. And so, and then you've got the stories too about, you know, quote unquote, crashed, craft that that have technology that we try to back engineer you know so are those really crashed craft or are they uh you know sort of physical viruses that we are you know sort of trying to implement wow. into the world that you know now i mean just look at us we're all you know using devices and constantly staring at these screens and twitter if you spend a lot of time there you're basically mind melding with you know whoever you happen to follow like it's it's an interest it's a it's a uh it's a pointing of your consciousness toward uh this sort of uniform flattening space where everyone thinks the same does the same behaves the same you see this culturally happening right now too you can't you know can't be a little bit different you know you have to sort of do things a certain way so, and so i just wonder if that that's not what the intent is behind some of this phenomenon so i to, to that i i'll say to natasha just have you seen that movie the phenomenon james fox's movie on uh amazon prime it's on apple if you haven't seen I it i don't think so you would know if you saw it you would know right away no uh, i haven't seen it 2020 i haven't seen it if it's if it's you know for five dollars you're going to absolutely, it's a phenomenal, sorry, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great documentary. But the reason I bring it up, because through the context of what Nathan just said about them, and, and I don't know that, I mean, that, that might totally be true, but I'm going to ask Nathan, with those school children in there, you're going to, I hate to, I'm going to ruin the end of the movie right now, so you can <laughs> ask my first professor to give me a C, but uh, just for this. But um, the um, at the end of the movie, the the, the is it the Ru Rua Zimbabwe? I can't remember the name of the school. Mm -hmm. uh, but but Ariel school, the Ariel school, mm -hmm. a a craft landed in their playground in 1994. I want to say it was, and they ran over to it, and they sent a Harvard psychologist over there, John Mack, to interview the children. And basically determine the efficacy of their stories, of which he interviewed like 64 out of like 100 kids or something like that. And when he said to him, how close were you to the being? She said one meter, which is basically like a little more than arm's length. So just think about that. 
But they they told one of the young girls, what did they say to you? And she said, well, they didn't speak, but they communicated their thoughts to us. And they said, we've become too technologized, which I love that, you know, use of the English language from a primary school student. But Nathan, how do you jibe that with what your theory is? Was that, what was that then? Uh, that, that that being uh, reportedly or supposedly allegedly said to the young girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely, uh, it throws a little bit of a curveball into, into that, that way of thinking at the same time, there are lots of stories that confuse the issue rather than bring clarity. Mm -hmm. And so it's often the case that these beings, whatever they may be uh, only end up, you know, muddying the water to our understanding rather than really providing us with answers. And, you know, to, to kind of come back over to paranormal land uh, with you, Natasha. So I'm curious because uh, I, I, when I've read on medium stuff, you know, kind of what um, in, interactions that mediums have with, with, with spirit or whatever, it, it strikes me that there aren't a lot of answers, you know, that there's, there's evidence of, of something happening but there's not a lot of clarity as to what it what is really going on. Uh, you would think that you know it, that beings or conscious entities that have transversed this uh, divide of death and, and after death, or whatever, that they would have a little bit of insight into like what it all really means. And and it it strikes me that you rarely hear about that answer. You know that they don't that that answer seems to be elusive. Yeah, and I think that's because they are, are spirits that are sticking around. They are stuck here. Like, they're stuck on the Earth's consciousness level. They haven't left and gone beyond and gained that greater knowledge that comes with, you know, the higher vantage point. And that would be my theory um, mm -hmm. as to why you wouldn't hear that come through in, like, a paranormal sense. But um, to go kind of go off of what you were saying earlier, I do feel personally that um, we are super technologized, and I love that term too, but um, I feel as though that if there are higher beings out there or UFOs or, you know, other alien type beings, that if they were to communicate telepathically, then, you know, that would be, it's because it's humans that have created the technology to try to keep up and they're focusing 100% on technology and they've totally lost the other spiritual, you know, astral side of mm. our, our abilities. I feel like that as humans, we have a lot more abilities than we realize. Like, I don't know the percentage, but I know that we don't use a, a large portion of our own brain. Um, mm. And me, that... especially, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, um, <laughs> but no, it's just, um, I feel as though that, you know, it's, it, I love that when you said that, you know, opening a door, when you start talking about this weird stuff and people get thinking and it's all of a sudden it's okay to ask questions. And that's why I love doing this stuff. Like if I can open a door for someone, whether it's talking about life after death, you know, consciousness, aliens, UFOs, past life. I'm also an astrologer and tarot card reader. Like that's my passion side. Um, I'll talk about that stuff all day long and mm -hmm. I'm happy to always answer questions and it's not, you know, that I'm providing you the end all be all. It's just, I'm giving you my opinion on where I'm at at this point and if people are interested, you know, just if I can inspire them to do their own research, that's, it's amazing. So, yeah, I'm awesome. with you. 
Uh, yeah, someone's trying to get in, but since I don't know who it is, I can't let them in. And they didn't DM me on Twitter, so they're not getting in. Sorry. Uh, anyway, um, so rapid fire. Yeah, rapid fire. Thank you. See, you know this is why we got Nathan here, man. Keep me in the in in the group. So, um, Natasha, the house. Remind me the name of the house that uh, that um, Lorraine and Ed went to where they found Annabelle. I believe it's a Connecticut home. Yeah, so the it's they call it the Conjuring House mm-hmm. now, but um, it is. It's, I've never been there, mm-hmm. but I have heard that it is an intense place to be. If Lorraine invites you to go, do you go? Oh yeah. If I would 100% go. You if would? If somebody invited me. Oh, yeah. You're not Absolutely. scared to go there. Nathan, did no, you No, that would be a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Did you hear what this woman just said? She's yeah, going in there. It's a big note for me. Take off my glasses for that. <laughs> okay, where do you want to... Uh, I'm going to give Nathan the next one, but where's the, the house that you've been dreaming of that you want to go to? Winchester Mystery House, um, out in California. I forget somewhere in California, mm-hmm. somewhere out there. That place is amazing. You know, crazy mansion stairs lead to nothing, and doors that open to nothing, and secret hallways and stuff like that, and uh, supposedly haunted as well. So, that would be that's on my bucket list. Wow, what about uh, most uh, desired uh, international? Location Woo! Do one. going to England, baby. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's so much out there. I don't have a top one, like something in me always wanted to see, like the French catacombs, mm. uh, and kind of go in there. So, that's the first one that comes to mind. But yeah, there's so many places out there, I wouldn't even know where to start. I've been nice. down there, it's creepy, man. It is creepy. It's right near, it's it's like, isn't it right at the foot of Notre Dame? I think we went in there. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. So, or not, not at, but I mean, very, 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 very close to the grounds of Notre Dame, which, by the way, is like the one of the coolest places I've seen on the planet Earth. So, mm. uh, and that includes Rome, and I, and I love Rome. I did. So, I I want uh, Natasha to validate me and be proud of me, and so I will tell her I did do the Dark Heart of Rome tour, which was a ghost-based tour, and was sufficiently scared. So. Nice. Right, do, do I have some street cred now, yo, man? Hey. Definitely. Definitely. I, mean, I, I, I would I, do it if I were there. Yeah, I would go on an investigation with her. I just got to know that there's nothing, you know, unlike Natasha, if I knew the place was like the Conjuring House, I'd be like, Lorraine, uh, I love you. You're beautiful. But you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. But I will, you know, buy you guys dinner at the diner when you come out of there. So <laughs> I've got your year-round fries on me. Uh, so, anyway, so that's a place you want to go. Have you been scared yet to where you were like, oh my God. I've been scared a couple times. One of them, I think it was just, uh, nerves because I did meet the Annabelle doll. Um, you did, I, I did, I didn't go down to the house, but I did meet the doll. Oh, so that's that's on my Instagram at Spectral Visions Paranormal. Um, but my God, it didn't touch her or anything. Of course, she was in her little uh, locked away in her little cabinet thing. Um, but Tony Sparrow, who's the uh, holder of the doll now that 
um, Lorraine and, and Ed have passed, but uh, in the occult museum, that's not open anymore, their actual museum. But mm -hmm. he did agree to bring that. And there was another one. Um, it was a mirror, a haunted mirror uh, that he brought up to New Hampshire a couple years ago for like a paranormal festival and a small number of people, you know, you got to, you did a whole presentation on it and everything. And then at the end, you take a picture with her standing by the box. So, oh my God, did you feel yeah. anything? Is there something? I think I was just nervous. I, I mean, I was there by myself because I wasn't going to make anybody else pay to go see a doll that they didn't know about. Yeah. Um, so I was nervous. Um, I don't think anything crazy happened, but I, you know, it's all the hype about that kind of situation. Yeah. It just, it, oh my it was, God. I would be, it was awesome. <laughs> Nathan, would you be scared to go near Annabelle, like close to her? Oh, hundred percent. Bells freaked me out. Oh yeah. Nah, man. You, you know what? I, I, I've got mad respect for you, girlfriend. I got it. Uh, okay. Uh, let's just hit up. Do you have any UFO questions that you would want to ask her just to finish off the rapid fire round? Uh, you have to watch the, the, the phenomenon. That's like a must. I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. It's already, I got it on my list. Okay. Um, I mean, I have always been dabbling in the area of UFOs. Like I've definitely collected some uh, old UFO books and stuff like that. I have a whole section on my little bookshelf to, with them. Um, very familiar with the, the Barney and Betty case up here in New Hampshire. Um, I used to vacation at that exact spot every year. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess, I mean, I, I haven't... I don't know what's what the talk is now. Like, I know that there are some files and stuff like that. Like, I think people can go back and forth on that. I've heard some of that, but like, what's what's new? Like, what's hot right now? Nathan, take it away. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Uh, so there's a lot. I guess the um, so I guess the biggest thing is this latest round of government, uh, quote unquote, transparency know that they've been a little bit more forthcoming about uh what they have uh what they might know um as dj mentioned earlier uh luis elizondo who used to be uh the director of uh the pentagon program that studied this stuff for a while has gone public and talked very publicly about you know what the government has and doesn't have and uh you know it, it's raising a lot of questions um and I think what's a little different about this than maybe in the past is that Congress seems to be paying more attention to it um, than than you would expect them to. Uh, that the, the and the and that this, the topic itself has become a lot more destigmatized. Um, people feel much more comfortable talking about it and sharing their own experiences with, with it. Um, so, but but at the same time, it's it really is a topic, and maybe you can relate to this with what you study that feels a lot like sand in your hands, you know, like you think you've got it and it just keeps passing right through your fingers. Um, and so that, that aspect of it itself raises a, a whole host of questions. Um, and so, you know, it, it's one of those things too, where I think you kind of have, I don't know if you, you find yourself doing this, but where mentally I try to kind of take a break from, from it sometimes because you you really can get kind of trapped in a circular way of thinking about it. And you just need to kind of say, you know what, maybe I need to give this a break. Maybe it's not as important as I thought it was and just, you know, take a pause 
and then that helps i think at least with me it helps me come back to that and and with with, with fresh eyes and 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 also open ears you know sometimes it's easy to kind of shut your ears to people that you may disagree with and there's a lot of opinions on ufo twitter uh on what it is <laughs> and, and you know <laughs> very strong opinions and so i think you know it's important for us to step back occasionally and and really challenge our assumptions about what we believe and also i think realize that there's a person on the other end of that twitter handle you know that, that's true of any twitter discourse right um and i will say this the last thing i'll say about it on this topic is that um it, it the 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 opinions the range of opinions on on this on ufos or, or paranormal whatever uh it can be pretty extreme you know you can have like uh the the super woo side you know anything anybody tells me i believe it you know so like it's it's way over here and then you have the like extreme skeptic side so anything you show me no matter how credible your story is like i just it's not true i can explain and we tend, it away yeah exactly and we tend to i think uh you know either lionize or demonize uh somebody on on that spectrum you know so all of us kind of have our camps that we fall into I think it's important to sort of step back and go, you know what, this is the, the, the real story is the whole picture. You know, it really is the, the interactions of all of these players together, uh, having this conversation, challenging each other, uh, wrestling with these ideas until they get more refined. And, and so whenever I kind of get really frustrated with somebody that I may not agree with, I try to sort of think, you know what, this is actually really helping me uh, in, in a long view sort of way uh, better uh, appreciate where I land, you know? Uh, and so I, I know you didn't ask about that particular aspect of it, but no, it's a, good. it's sort that's of good. a community thing, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a byproduct of any, uh, probably any robust community uh, where I think it, and, and too, in our world, like we're so quick to uh, point fingers and be polarized and, and, and go into our corners. And I think it, it helps us to sort of say, you know what, we're really not that different. And, uh, just because you may think of this differently doesn't mean that it's not valuable to this search. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Natasha, from my perspective, I I did have a sighting as a teenager with another young man my age, so probably 13, 14 years old, somewhere around there. I wasn't driving yet, so I'm going to guess 14 at that point. So I got my permit in Florida at 15. Uh, but anyway... Uh, and I was living in New York at the time, a lot closer to you. That's where I grew up, in the Hudson Valley, uh, which is where all the, a lot of UFO sightings were, thousands. I've even had high school friends contact me. I, I didn't tell my mom, my dad, my, bro, I, my brother, my wife. I didn't tell anybody. It, and in the Air Force, I would have been scared that I would have been sent to the clinic to see a psych and got grounded if I told my story. So I never told anybody until the Navy guys talked about it. And like Nathan, I am willing to entertain a lot of the videos and things that I that people put out there. I don't know if it's true. I'm not a video expert. I know that there are people who are expert at faking videos that really have muddied the waters for us. Where I take issue, and it's maybe it's a tribal thing, because when I have a naval air wing commander that says i went and i saw this tic tac it did this it did that it did this i did this and it did that and when he talks about what it did but it's backed up by the aegis radar <laughs> that says 
And the Aegis radar operator, who is also a Top Gun graduate, says, I also saw it do this and that and that on my radar scope. And I saw it do some spectacular things, not only that night, but on other nights. And he's not the only radar operator that saw it. Now I'm in a place where I'm saying this is very credible. And if you say that they're not credible and you try to pick apart their story or you try to take on Lou Elizondo, that's when I get militant and I'm ready to fight. Because Lou Elizondo passed up a career as a GS-15 in the military. Basically he said, I don't want it. Before retirement, you have to get at least like 10 years to get your retirement. He gave that up. In, because he believed that they were hiding too much UFO information from us. And this is a career military man. So nobody can say anything about Lou. You can say, I don't like him. I think he's X, he's Y. But you can't say that he hasn't sacrificed more than anybody in this community. Anybody. He has two daughters ready to go to a place like SNHU that he's got to pay for. And he's telling his wife, oh, by the way, honey, I just quit because they're hiding UFO stuff. What? You did what? GS-15, that's the highest general scheduled position you can get. And he was that. Anyway, so UAP versus UFO, I just want to, you understand that difference, that distinction? Now. So really quickly, what he's describing, what this Tic Tac did, what we understand about um, Newton's first and th third law of motion. Bernoulli's theorem, the principles of flight. This is not interacting with those principles of flight as we understand them. People will say to you that, well, we didn't know about the stealth fighter 25 years ago. We didn't know about the B-2 bomber. We didn't know about that, you know, or that how long is the F-35? Okay, those things fly exactly the same as the Wright Flyer did in Kill Devil Hills in 1903. They fly by the exact same principle of flight. This here, there's no control surfaces, there's no visual signs of propulsion, and, and it accelerates at a rate and stops and hovers and goes up, and it, it, it traveled from 28,000 feet to 50 feet in 0.79 seconds, well past terminal velocity. Like, that's just not a thing that, so to me, that is not something that was built by human hands, and David Fravor says the same thing. So anyway, as an aviator, um, yeah, I, I, I don't believe that that's something that the Russians or the Chinese or the U.S. has built. In my opinion, based on anecdotal data from experts, not just based on my opinion because I watched the YouTube video. <laughs> so, anyway, so that's, uh, that's our perspective on UFOs. <sighs> Do I owe you for this? Is, is our half hour over? <laughs> I'm just kidding. My counselor. <laughs> yeah, we opened a box there, didn't we? <laughs> What's your thoughts, my friend? <laughs> uh, this has just been a real treat uh, talking with you, Natasha. Like uh, I have to admit, it's not a topic that um, that I know a lot about, um, but I've had a lot of curiosity about for a long time. And so to hear you talk about your journey uh, in this space is really inspiring and and interesting. I would I could talk to you for a long time. I think about what you do and what what drives you. Uh, so I wanted to offer my personal thanks for your time uh, in, in speaking with us about this. Yes, I agree. I really, I really appreciate it, Natasha. Um, you know, we're a couple of uh, UFO head guys and uh, we wanted to, when I heard what you did, 
and I've talked to you before. I was like, man, I would love to have her on the podcast. And when you said yes, I was just like, yes, we're going to talk paranormal on the podcast. I love it. So thank you so much. I love it too. Thank you so much for the invite. That was such an exciting, exciting time to see that you found my my little side business and uh who knew you know that uh you over here talk ufos it's like a merging of two worlds and uh i could sit here and talk about this stuff all night and i have so many questions about ufos and stuff i feel like i could stay here forever but honestly it's been a pleasure and i'll be happy to come back at any time yeah uh we can have you back as a as a, as a co-host uh like when we have linda zimmerman on because we want to do round two with linda um, um, Nathan had a lot of questions that we didn't get to, uh, because, uh, answers can become long winded. I'm one of them, but, um, I want to really get, get her back on. Cause I think in, in regards to her paranormal and ghost stuff, I think we've got a lot of meat on the bone. So maybe if you have a couple of questions there, um, we could get you on, uh, for a segment with her. That'd be amazing. All right. Uh, can I say namaste, you know, cause you know, I'm a yogi. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> namaste namaste thank you so much uh, everybody it was such a pleasure to have on uh, to have on Nathan Natasha so this is DJ San Marco for life MMA and the NBA saying one love peace out and we'll see you down the road peace